DJ, don't you just love playoff football? There's nothing better, man. There is nothing better than playoff football. I agree. And I think this past weekend, again, we got no shortage of playoff football across all four conferences. Did you get your healthy dose of playoff football this past weekend? I got that and then some. How about you? No, I got a, I got a healthy dose. I got a healthy dose. But you know what? I want to get into it. I'm excited to get into it. We have a lot to talk about. Plus, you're back on the show. I've been wanting to gauge your, your mind for the last couple of weeks. A lot of crazy things have been going down over the country. Let's get straight into it. My name is Deshaun Stevens. And this is DJ Lalama. And welcome to Take It or Leave It, the show we deliver you sports football news for all 27 schools. DJ, I got a question for you. I'm listening. Do you like the snow? You know what? I enjoyed it a lot more as a player, uh, being on the defensive side of the ball. I kind of thought it was an automatic advantage. Uh, being a coach in the snow, you know, I could do without. But, hey, you know, you see these kids out there flying around. It's a good time. Okay, I have to ask you, I have to ask you, what was it like last week playing against Saskatchewan in the snow? Like in the snow, like I call this the snow bowl. Like you were basically playing in a blizzard. What was that like as a coach on the sidelines? Uh, I couldn't feel the left side of my face with the North wind, if you want my honest opinion. <laughs> um, but you know what? It was, uh, it was a crazy, it was a crazy storm. I mean, we played through something similar last year in the, you know, in the same uh, semifinal there against the University of Alberta. And, um, you know, the elements are an equalizer, you know what I mean? And obviously the University of Saskatchewan did a good job prepping and, you know, changed their script just a little bit uh, based on those elements and and they got the better hand and deservedly so. Um, but I know, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Freezing rain, you know, 70 kilometer winds, you know, you couldn't see at times like it, it was nuts. But again, that's part of Canadian football. I hear you. I hear you. And you know what? With that being said, I think we should lead into playoff football starting with your conference in Canada West. Yesterday, the number nine UBC Thunderbirds took on the number four Saskatchewan Huskies, and Saskatchewan won the Hardy Cup 23-8. to Canada West MVP Mason Nias had 232 passing yards and one touchdown. Canada West All-Star Riker Frank had 133 all-purpose yards. And listen, kickers are people too. So Canada West All-Star David Soley was three for three with his field goals, and he scored 11 total points, basically half of the Huskies' points. DJ, this is your conference, so I want your key takeaways first. I mean, the biggest thing, I mean, we knew UBC was going to, you know, come out as the underdog, you know, not having their starting quarterback and Rooker out there, you know, being able to lead them in a game like that. Um, you know, you kind of start behind the eight ball, but I think, you know, Coach Nell and, and Coach Bone did a good job of, of getting angle ready, right, and, and giving them a chance. And, and you saw that in the first half. Um, I thought the game was fairly close. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Angle, I think, showed some of his, um, you know, the, the, kind of the rook in him, um, you know, only going 13 of 31 for 149 yards and, and two INTs, and one of them being that pick six uh, to Marquette Crib, you know, what a last name to take it to the crib. Um, but I mean, you know, Isaiah Knight was held in check. Um, as you said, Sole not only did he go three for three, but he out punted Flannery Flack by almost 10 yards a punt. You know, so we talk about the cold, we talk about the conditions and being able to flip the field like that every time out. Um, I think that added to the overall all day, you know, that University, University of Saskatchewan had. And on top of that, I got to give a special shout out to Winnipeg or Charlie Ringland, uh, the halfback at University of Saskatchewan. I mean, he had three turnovers, you know, in the game against us two weeks ago and, you know, to go out there and, and get that big fumble recovery as well. Um, he's had a hell of a year and, and a hell of a playoff so far, so. 
Saskatchewan's rolling, man, and and we all picked U of Sass to to win. Um, they did. Um, kudos to UBC and you know doing what they had to do to get to that game and and giving University of Saskatchewan their best. Um, but ultimately, I think the Huskies are just too deep, too disciplined, too experienced, um, and the right team won. I agree with you. I think the right team won, and I think the biggest key takeaway for me is the last time around that these two teams played. Saskatchewan started the game with their back against the wall. Isaiah Knight came out and he had a phenomenal first half. I believe he had three touchdowns in the first half and Saskatchewan started from behind. This time around, the game was pretty level set in the first half. And I think one of the worst things you could do is let Saskatchewan stay level set with you, stay level headed with you because then they can have a chance to pick away at you, get a sense of your tendencies and game plan and switch things around against what you're doing and eventually bite you in the third and fourth quarter. And that's what happened. Uh, so for me, Saskatchewan is a hard team to beat and UBC beat them the last time they faced off. But this just goes to show that Saskatchewan's a harder team to beat twice. And really and truly, if you look at the game plan that you could imagine that Saskatchewan would have came back with this time around, Engel was still in that quarterback. So you know what he's coming with. Isaiah Knight still in that at running back. He's a Canada West All-Star, had an amazing season, but you know they would have went to him on the ground without any, you know, Garrett Rook or anything like that. You know there would have been no changes in their approach to this game. So I could just imagine Scott Floyd was fully ready for what he was about to see. And then also considering the last time around, listen, they the Huskies essentially almost won the game, <laughs> right? I mean, Mason Nice put the, that final play on the money, right, in um, Rhett Barber's chest. And he almost yep. caught it through double coverage and dropped it, right? So um, considering this time around, they knew it was coming. I saw this being a wide margin victory. So I'm not surprised by this victory. I think, again, the right team won. And yeah, Saskatchewan are, you know, Hardy Cup champions for the second year in a row. But uh, DJ, I have one question for you. Where do you see the UBC Thunderbirds next season after the year they had this year? It's a good question, man. You know, I think a Blake Neal coach team is always going to be part of that conversation, especially in a Can West conference where parity, you know, is always at, you know, the forefront, uh, you know, it, it depends what they do in recruiting and it depends what they do, you know, in terms of some of those young guys, I mean, they're going to lose both offensive tackles to the CFL, you know, they're going to lose their, you know, their superstar D end of the CFL, you know, Baker, you know, and again, another great prospect. I mean, you're losing three, four or five guys um, that are, honestly you know all canadian type players and it's how do you replace them you know i don't know if they'll have the same top end talent per se at this very moment but i mean you get rucker back if he's able to come back from that you know that gruesome injury that he sustained and if they can keep building you know the other 40 guys are going to be one year more experienced isaiah knight's going to be more experienced you know they're going to always be part of that conversation but i am interesting to or interested to see rather what they can do along the line of scrimmage, losing three all-Canadian players. Okay, hold on now. I have a follow-up question to that because you just made a big point right there about how UBC is likely to lose a lot of all-Canadian players, and I see that. Let's talk about Saskatchewan because a lot of people thought last year that this might have been, or last year might have been their final run, right? And here they are again, repeat Hardy Cup champions and presumably on their way to appearing in a Vanier. Do you think this could be the last run, the last true run for Saskatchewan? That's a loaded question. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say no. Um, I don't think there's going to be another Mason Ayas that's 
you know, going to be able to step in and do what he's been able to do in the last few years in this conference, uh, that takes time. Um, you know, they've got a great young kid uh, behind them that obviously can run and, you know, and, and move around and is a great athlete. But how does that translate into being, you know, in the pocket and going through his reads? I'm not sure. You know, we'll need a bigger sample size for that. At the end of the day, as long as Scott Flory is there, as long as they have, you know, the support they do from the community, the alumni, you know, the amount of full-time coaches that they have, the resources, the facilities, you know, they have a very good program, you know, top down. They have a city that cares about university football the same way that Laval and Western, you know, get support. You know, it's hard to bet against them. Do I think there's going to be some bumps in the road as soon as Nios leaves? Absolutely. You're losing the best player in the conference. There has to be. But I don't think it's going to be prolonged. I think they're going to be part of the conversation. And they have most of that team back. That's the bigger thing. To You know, you lose your quarterback, but you have most of the team. I mean, you look at the NFL and the CFL, a lot of the times, right, guys that make runs are playing with quarterbacks on rookie deals because they're able to surround them with better players. So if you have a young quarterback coming up, but you've got a really experienced team, I think they're still part of that conversation. You can't bet against them. I like how you said, listen, you said young quarterback coming up, surrounded by an experienced team. Sounds a lot like the Western Mustangs last season with Evan Hillock at center, surrounded by a veteran team. And then even this season with Evan Hillock in the second year, again, surrounded by a veteran team. But you made a good point there about putting Saskatchewan on the same level as Laval and Montreal in terms of alumni support, in terms of program infrastructure, and even in terms of like being in a football hotbed, right? Saskatchewan is a football hotbed, um, not only for fandom, but also for like young players coming up. So if anything, I'm looking at Saskatchewan, and I'm always going to say I could trust that they'll always have a great team because they recruit from in their province and their province produces great football players. And as for UBC, I'm curious to see how they'll look next year. You made a great point. I think, yeah, they're going to be losing a lot of people on both sides of the line, on the offensive line and defensive line. They got Garrett Rooker coming back. Can Garrett Rooker now become a Canada West MVP level quarterback? I think a lot of people were expecting him to become this season. It's not that he didn't live up to the hype. It's just Mason Nice was that guy. So when that guy leaves and graduates, who's going to be that next person? I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Garrett Rooker. Some people might be looking at Jackson, Jackson Tachinsky. I might be looking at him. And then, of course, Isaiah Knight coming back for another year. What type of running back can he be? Can he be that number one true running back in the Canada West Conference instead of being like a one-two with Riker Frank? We'll see how that pans out. But let's switch things over now all the way to the AUS Conference in the Loney Bowl. Um, the number six St. FX X-Men took on the number 10 Mount Allison Mounties. And St. FX won this game. 21-14. AUS MVP Malcolm Bussey had 116 rushing yards and one touchdown, while receiver Ben Harrington had 183 all-purpose yards and one touchdown to win Loney Bowl MVP. Let me start with this one, DJ. No surprises here. I think this is how it was supposed to go down. Um, the AUS conference belongs to St. FX. If you look at this team, they have 13 conference all-stars. Okay, they have the coach of the year in Gary Waterman. They have the rookie of the year in Zachary Hood. They have the lineman of the year in Alex Fetchin, and they have the MVP in Malcolm Bussey. The AUS conference belongs to St. FX. So there's no surprises here on my end. I thought they would have beat down a little bit more on Mount Allison. I didn't think it was going to be a one score game. I thought it might have been a two or three score game, but I'm not surprised to see St. FX win. What are your thoughts, DJ? 
Uh, those are good points, but you know, we, we talked about it on the show last time, and, and we said really it was going to come down to defense and special teams in this conference. You know, no one had an offense that was going to you know light up the stat sheet. You know, there was no one that was going to go for five hundred plus. Um, you know, I think Bussy did what he had to do. You know, going over a hundred and, and making sure that it was still a balanced attack. But ultimately, I mean, Saint Effects defense and special teams were the difference maker. You know, Harrington's ninety-four yard touchdown is the difference maker in this game, you know, and he wins MVP accordingly. And um, Mount A, I think, stepped up to the plate, you know, went, you know, punch for punch with St. FX, you know, who we all thought were going to win by a much larger margin than they did. But yeah, St. FX is, is going to have a chance, you know, another chance to to play in a national semifinal. Um, I hope their defense is ready to uh, to, to go. And I, and I think Harrington's going to need some more magic if they're going to, uh, they're going to have a chance next week against University of Saskatchewan. Prediction off the jump, DJ, who you got in the UTEC Bowl between Saskatchewan and Saint FX? I got the Huskies. It, the is Hus- there is there a reason why you got the Huskies? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's for every it's for every reason that we've talked about all year. Um, you know, no, no disrespect to Saint FX. I think Gary Waterman's done a great job over there in, in building culture and in building sustained, um, you know, a, a sustained winning culture that exists now at St. FX. Um, and, and that shouldn't be lost, but you're going to travel to the Canada West. You're going to play in completely different climate. You're going to play at probably the hardest place to play in the Canada West. You're going against a back-to-back party cup champion. You're going against probably the best quarterback in Canada. And you're going against a fantastic special teams and defensive unit that suffocate their opponents. I just don't see how traveling across the country and going against those facts are going to bode into St. FX's favor. I think Scott Floor is going to have their guys going. It's going to be a tune-up game for the Huskies to get them to the Vanier Cup. I think this is... I don't want to be disrespectful and say this is a bye week for Saskatchewan, but... I don't think I think they've had harder games this season than what they're about to face next week in the Saint FX X Men. They've had harder games in what they faced in the Regina Rams. They've had harder games in what they've seen from you guys in the Manitoba Bisons. They've had harder games from what they've seen in the UBC Thunderbirds. This is going to be a Saskatchewan W. I'm with you 100%. And I'm not even going to try to even add on to what you said because I think what you said epitomizes everything and you said it perfectly. Saskatchewan will win this game. They will go back to the Vanier Cup. Now, I would love for us to be wrong for the sake of Canadian football. Sure, sure. I, I would love for us to be wrong. And I would love to see a, a AUS team break through to the Vanier Cup. I just don't think it's going to happen this year. I think their best chance would have been if UBC had won the game. I think if UBC had won the Hardy Cup and you have St. FX going up against a 5-4 and four, or four and four UBC Thunderbirds team without their starting quarterback, I think Gary Waterman would have been like licking his chops. Like, okay, this is our best chance. That would have been the best chance that AUS team has had since 2007. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. The winners of the AUS will be going up against a national powerhouse who is better by significant proportions. I got Saskatchewan. Let's move things over now to the OUA 
and the Yates Cup. The number one Western Mustangs took on the number three Queens, Gales, and Western won 44 to 14. Evan Hillock won 10 for 14, 222 yards and three touchdowns. OUA MVP Keon Edwards had 260 yards and one touchdown, while Keanu Yazbek had 76 rushing yards and two touchdowns. On the Queens side, quarterback Alex Breakin had 212 yards, zero touchdown, while Anthony Souls had 35 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. I'm an OUA guy, so let me take this one off the jump. Queens got bullied. In the second half. In the second half, yes. They could not stop Keon Edwards. They could not stop Keanu Yazbek. Those two running backs were just breaking through tackles in the second line of defense. And it was looking, yeah. it was looking like bully ball. There was a touchdown um, where Keon Edwards, it was probably like a 10-yard run. But in the final five yards, he carried a Queens linebacker basically into the end zone. It was bully ball. It, it just goes to show Western's run game is too deep. And I always say it, I'm always going to say it to people I talk to about this. I truly believe in my heart that this Western Mustangs run game is one of the greatest run games that we'll ever see in Canadian university football, just because of not how deep they are, but because of how much elite depth they have. They have yeah. four different running backs that can give you over a hundred on any given day. Keon Edwards is the OUA MVP and he's the first string running back, but Edward Winati is a second string running back and he can give you over hundred on any given day. And he's a top five rusher in the country. All right. And then you got Keanu Yazbek, the second year guy at a Champlain who can start on any OUA team and he can give you over hundred on any given day. And then you got Troy Thompson, the fifth year kid, who's the fourth string running back, who again can start on any OUA team and can also give you over hundred on any given day. I don't know if we'll ever see a run game that has this much elite depth again. I, I got, I got, I think there's a little deja vu. I mean, I, I yeah. was at Western, um, you know, when Tyler Varga, Nathan Riva, Garrett San Vito, you know, we're all in the backfield. And when we talk about high-end talent, I mean, until Keon, you know, goes to the next level and, and, and the rest of those guys go to the next level and we just see how good they are. I mean, San Vito had a chance in the CFL. Riva had a chance in the CFL. And Varga, without a concussion, is still playing in the NFL. You know, so when we talk about that top-end talent, it's something that comes in, you know, cycles, it seems, at Western. You know, obviously, Greg Marshall being a former running back himself, uh, there's always going to be a bias to handing off the football. Um, and we say that, yes, they have fantastic, elite, top-end talent. The way that Greg Marshall has been able to recruit, the way that they've been able to conduct their offense, I think we say this is the best yet because Greg Marshall is going to find a time and a way to get players back there and do the same thing time and time again. But I think what we need to do is we need to do something that we haven't done all season long. I think we need to give love to that Western offensive line because yep. the reality is this success doesn't happen if you don't have an offensive line that's probably going to have three or four all Canadians <laughs> right so yep. you got to give love to that Western Mustangs offensive line this run game is serious but none of this success happens without that offensive line key point uh Edward Winati was basically unavailable yesterday I don't know if he's injured I don't know what that is but in my opinion he will be needed for this team to make a run to the Vanier Cup, to make not make a run to the Vanier Cup, to win the Vanier Cup. I don't know what happened with him yesterday. Maybe he was taking a rest. I hope he was taking a rest because it seemed like that game was rest worthy, but I think he's going to be pivotal in this team winning a Vanier Cup. So I hope we see him next week in the Mitchell Bowl. I, I just hope he comes back because I, I think he's showtime. I love watching him play. He's six foot three, 225 pounds at running back. Who doesn't love seeing a specimen like that, you know, running the rock. So I hope he comes back. One more point. I want to talk about Alex Breakin because yesterday on the broadcast, they were building him up a little bit. 
basically they quoted Steve Snyder in saying that Alex Reekin has potential to be a heck Crichton quarterback. It's a big statement. It's a really big statement. I want to talk about that because I think it was just really, it was something that really stood out to me yesterday. I was, I was thinking about it after the game. And I was just thinking about past heck Crichton quarterbacks that we've seen in the past. Trey Ford, you know, Chris Merchant. The biggest thing about those quarterbacks that we noticed in them from the jump was their potential to be above the rest. I remember being in like my third year and looking at Trey Ford. And I remember one of my receivers looked at me and said, that brother's going to win a heck when he was in his first year. And he wasn't even the full-time starter. I'm sure when Chris Merchant walked onto the campus at Western in his first year and started taking first string reps over Stevenson Bone right away, I'm sure people looked at him and said, that brother's going to win the heck one day. With Alex Rekin, personally, I personally haven't seen anything so far to kind of indicate he has heck Crichton potential, right? I think if you look at his numbers, solid kind of goes for over 100 in every single game. You know what I'm saying? Makes mistakes here and there. Maybe we'll sometimes throw for no touchdowns. Maybe have a two-touchdown day. Relies heavily on the, the run to help set up the pass. I haven't really seen anything to indicate he could be a heck Crichton quarterback one day. But then again, listen, who knows what this kid's growth potential is? But that was just something that really stood I mean, out. I, no, I think that's a good point. And, and you know, really what heck means is, is you're a winner. You know, if, if you're going to be deemed the heck Crichton, you know, nominee and, and ultimately win that award, you know, you are the winner. You are a born winner and you bring your program to new heights. You know, you look at what Buckley did at the University of Calgary. You look at the guys that you've already mentioned, you know, in, in Ontario and, and out in Quebec. They put their programs into a different echelon, right, of, of status, you know, for X period of time. And unfortunately, no matter how good this guy's potential could be, I'm not saying that we've seen the best of Rican. I think he's going to get better as anybody, you know, young that needs experience will get. If he's going to win a heck, that means that he has to beat the Western Mustangs in his career. And unfortunately, given that Halleck is only in his second year, and given how much depth and elite power they have at that program right now, you know, in London, I just don't see that happening in Rican's tenure. No disrespect to Queens, no disrespect to him as an individual. But until he beats Western, I don't even think that can be a conversation. I agree. I agree. I think if you're looking at quarterbacks right now from the OUA, who could one day ascend into head Crichton conversation, it's, it's Hillock right? It's Hillock. It's the quarterback of the defending national champions and two-time Yates Cup champions who is going to get better and who hasn't, who never even threw an interception this past season and whose name was probably on the OUA MVP ballot. I agree with you. If he wants to one day be a heck, let alone OUA MVP, he's going to have to beat the Western Mustangs, 100%. And I don't see it happening anytime soon. Who knows, right? They could get a lot better next year. Just like how the jump from 2021 to 2022 for that team was really big, but we'll see. Just some points there on Vreekin. Again, no disrespect to him, but let's just let's just tell it like it is, man. Let's just tell it like it is. Let's move on to the RCQ. I think this was the game of the weekend. This might have been like one of the best games of the year. Okay, the number two Laval Rouge or took on the number five Montreal Carabans in the Dunsmore Cup, which was a bloodbath. Laval won this game twenty-five to twenty-four on a rouge. DJ, they won on a rouge. Let's go over the stats. Arnaud Desjardins had 214 passing yards and three touchdowns. He threw two interceptions, while the RSCQ MVP, Kevin Mitel had 116 yards, nine receptions, three 
touchdowns on the Montreal side. Jonathan Senecal, he went out swinging. He went out swinging. He had 323 passing yards and one touchdown, while Hussein Dosso, in his second game back, had five receptions, 69 yards, one touchdown. DJ, what are your thoughts on how this game ended? How it ended? I mean, Canadian football summed up in one word, the rouge. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I had a little bit of flashback to the Mark, Mark Sanchez sack, you know, when he kind of ran into his own lineman there and, and ended up going down. But, you know, being that late in the game, you know, it's not like Laval punted it through the end zone. You know, they didn't they didn't have the leg to get it through there and, and earn a point. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I think the way Montreal um, responded to the missed field goal, I mean, punt it out, you know, just get it out. Um, but unfortunately ran into uh, to his own blockers and, and that was the game. Um, you never want to see a, a game, you know, in that way. But I don't think, you know, that one play is the difference maker, to be quite frank with you. I mean, I think Senecal had a great game, you know, over 400 all-purpose yards. You know, he kept the Carabins in it. You know, defensively, I think the Carabins also, I mean, two sacks by Jermaine and two interceptions on the day as well. Like, they, they did their best, but they had no run game. And further to that, they lost six points on missed field goals. You can't do that in Quebec City and think that you're going to come away a champion. Laval's too good. And, I mean, you brought him up. Kevin Mattel, it's always hard to rank tech nominees because they play different positions, right? This year we have a quarterback. We have two running backs. We've got a wide receiver. What this cat's been able to do this year is, is remarkable at a wide receiver position in Canadian college football. I mean, three touchdowns yesterday. That's five in the postseason on top of his 12 in the regular season. That's 17 touchdowns in 10 football games. In a conference that typically you don't see passing offenses do all that well. It's remarkable what he's been able to do. Dejan and trust him implicitly. I mean, Laval's rolling right now, and I think the best team won. Listen, you talk about Kevin Mitao. He proved yesterday why he's the MVP of that conference. He is the best receiver in Canadian football by a large, Canadian university football by a large margin, like a large margin right now. He's doing stuff that like not even the Phil Potts were doing statistically. To see the MVP step up in the conference championship game and essentially play hero ball and say, I'm going to put the team on my back. Throw me the damn ball. Throw me the damn ball. And I'm going to put the team on my back and bring us home when these cats want to give us one more challenge. The reality is, though, I agree with you. I think the better team won this football game, right? I think the Laval Rouget are a more well-put-together football team than the Montreal Carabins are in 2022. I think the Laval Rouget or are more well-suited to compete in a national semifinal than the Montreal Carabins. So I think the best team won. Now, wasn't an easy win. Wasn't the way we might have expected it to end. You talk about the Rouge. They had three people back there in the end zone. I don't think one of them blocked a single person. It's not that Laval earned a point on that last play. It didn't, it didn't, there wasn't enough leg to kick it out the back of the end zone. It's Montreal gave up a point. And I think a lot of people okay. sleep on how important it is in Canadian University football. When you catch that ball in the end zone on a kick return, you got to get it out. And if you don't get it yep. out, you're going to get consequence for that. Right? So... Yep. You know, for the Montreal Carabans, it just so happened to be on the final play of the game. Heartbreaking. But I mean, why not, you know, why not just punt it out? You know, if you're in that situation, I mean, given the climate, given the environment, you're playing at Laval. I mean, sure, maybe you don't 
think that you have a chance to get it out to the one yard line, right? To give yourself another play. But at that point, if you have three returners back there, why not just punt it out of the end zone? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think, you know, there's these little nuances to Canadian football. Um, and I mean, hey, Montreal and Laval are two of the best coach programs in the country. And I'm not taking anything away. But in that moment when you really need to show up, you know, you're kind of scratching your head on, well, why? You know, and, and it's going to, you know, bring up this whole dialogue on the Rouge and, and should it be part of the Canadian game? And, you know, is it a fair way to win or lose a football game? At the end of the day, it's it's the rule. And it's been the rule for so long. So either you have ammo in your pocket that you, you can use, you know, and have it be an advantageous rule. Or unfortunately, you know, we have a brain fart like we saw, you know, yesterday. And, and it costs you a chance at a national semifinal. Um, you know, but I do think Laval deserved to win. You know, if you look further at mistakes that, you know, Montreal, you know, made, I mean, they gave Laval four first downs off penalties alone, you know, and when you do that in Quebec City, that is hard to come back from, you know, so you look at some of these mistakes, you know, again, only going two for four in field goals. They were in control of the game. Senecal had a great performance, but unfortunately you make four or five mistakes in Quebec City, you're not winning a football game. And I think further to that, you look at how now this Laval and Western matchup, that's that's two powerhouses going at it. And and I think, you know, you're going to get off that mute button right away and you're going to be super excited about what we're going to see next week. But my big thing is this. Laval basically eliminated, you know, Butchimble U from the game. The rushing game from Montreal was absolutely non-existent. Now, Senecal went for over 300 and he scrambled for some. But the running game was non-existent. If Laval is going to have a chance next week in London, it's going to be some of the same. But I am wondering if they are able to shut down or help limit that three-headed monster that that Western has in the backfield, can Halleck step up to the plate? I think Laval's secondary is their weak point on their defense. Can Halleck expose it if Laval's front seven does what they did this past week? Okay. Hold on. You just brought up a great Continue. point. You, you just brought up a great point. I was going to get into that. Bertrand Beaulieu was non-existent yesterday, and he's a conference all-star. He was the conference yeah. all-star at the running back position, and he was non-existent yesterday. So you just you teed me up perfectly. Laval has shown that they could stop the run. They could stop the elite run. I want to see next week now, can Laval stop this Western Mustangs rush attack? Now it's going to be tough because remember, we're talking about elite depth, right? Elite depth. So they can stop Keon Edwards, but can they stop Keon Edwards and Edward Winati, that one-two punch, and Keanu Yazbek? They can probably stop Troy Thompson now. I think they can stop Troy Thompson, but can they stop those three, right? If they can stop those three, and again, the key to winning against Western, you got to put the ball in Evan Hillock's hands. Because he's a great quarterback. He's a first-team OUA All-Star, but he's still young. He is still a young quarterback who is learning. He is still a young quarterback who is yet to face a little bit of adversity, if you really want to talk about it. I want to know what Evan Hillock can do when he faces adversity because he hasn't faced it yet this season. He faced it a little bit, a little bit when the Windsor Lancers. But has he ever faced adversity from a national powerhouse who's going to keep on pounding (laughs) if he makes one mistake? So I want to know what Evan Hillel can do when he faces true adversity, which I think he will face next weekend if 
Laval can stop the run. Now, can Laval actually stop the run? Tall task. Absolutely. Very tall task. I I think they could maybe stop one or two of those key pieces, but can they stop all four? Tall task. We'll see. I think this brings us to Mitchell Bowl predictions. I'm going to go first. I think when it comes to Western and Laval in the Mitchell Bowl, first off, it's going to be a bloodbath. I'm expecting this to be a close game. I'm expecting this to be the best football game of the year. I think this is going to be a bloodbath, but I think the Western Mustangs will win this football game. Two things. They're at home, and it's going to be packed. It's going to be packed. Second thing, I just think when I look at the Western Mustangs, they are a more complete team than the Laval Rouge or. Now listen, look at it like this. If Laval can stop the run, they're going to put the ball in Evan Hillock's hands. I can trust Evan Hillock to sling the rock, bring them to a win. He can do it. They have two layers to their offense. They have the run game. They have the pass game. Both are trusted. When I'm looking at Laval, they don't necessarily have a run game. Yep. It's Desjardins and Maital. You shut down Maital, I, I don't know who's going to bail out Desjardins. I seriously 100%. don't. I don't. Right? So I'm looking at both these teams. I truly believe the Western Mustangs are the more complete football team offensively. Defensively, I think they're right there. I think they're right there. But offensively is where Western goes over the top. Um, so I have the Western Mustangs winning next week. Even to stop the run, I think it's a tall task. I don't know how they're going to stop four running backs. I hope Wanadi comes back. If Wanadi does not play, that's a different story. I think that's a different story. I think that becomes a completely different game now because now you're just looking at Keon Edwards who has to play hero ball and Keanu Yazbek. When you got Wanadi in there, you got two of the top five running backs in the country. That's a difference maker by a lot. So I have Western winning this game by a close margin to get back to the Vanier Cup. What do you got? I think that's a good point. I mean, I'm going to start off the cuff here, and and I do think Western's going to ultimately, you know, punch their ticket to a home Vanier Cup. Um, you know, that that story is too good to not have that final chapter written for them, um, given the type of season that they've had. But I think it's important to note, you know, in games like this, you know, when you play that interconference ball, you know, you're, you're going in and you're building a game plan based on film alone. You don't have experience playing these teams. And let's just say that both teams are able to shut down, you know, what the other team wants to do, right? So say Laval's front seven is ultimately able to limit and or shut down the rush attack from Western. And on the flip side, say that Western, like you said, probably double covering, probably at times triple covering might tell, is able to limit him. You know, we look at, okay, what is the best second option for both teams? You know, I think at this point, this season, we don't know what a second option looks like for Laval. Not to say that there isn't one, but we haven't seen it. So it's not fair for us to comment on it. I think on the flip side, you look at what, you know, was able to happen over the course of this season. If you look at the yards per throw and catch that Halleck's been able to, you know, put together here, like the guy only throws the ball 15 to 20 times a game, but he's averaging 14 to 18 yards per completion. That number is astronomical. And a lot of that is things, well, they're loading the box. You're going to get man-on-man coverage in the back end. And if you run an in-break or an outbreak, depending on the shade of the DB, uh, you know, Western's got some ball players at receiver that can that can put their foot in the ground, catch the ball, 
and take that thing after the catch. You know, you saw it in the Queens game, Seth Robertson, right? Ran a simple seven yard under and ended up going for 70 yards after the catch, you know, and blown by three different Queens Gales defenders. If Laval's secondary can't shore up in time for this game, if if they even half limit the Western Mustang rush attack, but give up 300 to Halleck, it's game over. Western will still win. So I think the second best option, which is the RPO, right, play action that Halleck can use and open up a lot of those underneath intermediary routes by the receivers. I don't know if Laval's DBs can hang with that all game on top of the ground and pound. So I've got Western winning. But if there was one program in Canada that we would all put our money on upsetting, it would be Laval. I think, to your point, it's going to be the best game that we've seen this year. But Western at home, it's too good to pass up. Western's going to the Vanier Cup. I guess we're predicting a Western versus Saskatchewan rematch in the Vanier? That's what I'm predicting. I know you're doing the same. Yep, I'm predicting a Western versus Saskatchewan rematch in the Vanier. And I'm going to tell you straight up, those are the two that meet up in the Vanier. I can't tell you who's going to win right now because I think the Saskatchewan Huskies this year are going to be a lot better than they were last year. And also, last year's Vanier Cup was played on an ice rink. Remember that. It was played on an ice rink. It wasn't fair. It wasn't legit. This year, that field better be ready. I heard they've invested hundreds and thousands of dollars into that stadium to make it appropriate for a Vanier Cup. They got a new turf this past season. So I don't want to see people slipping and sliding when it comes to Vanier Cup Saturday. DJ, I would ask you what you're looking forward to next week, but I think we know what we're all looking forward to. I think we're all looking forward to Laval versus Western. Am I right? You're 100% right. But what are you looking forward to seeing from Saskatchewan next week against St. FX? I just want to see if, if Sask can continue their process. You know, it, it, so much is talked about, you know, again, you know, who are you playing? You know, we need to study film because we don't play against them often. And I think sometimes in games like this where you're playing teams from other conferences, you lose sight a little bit on what you're doing and you're so focused on what the other team is about and what they do well. And you try and eliminate it. I think, again, given maybe the disproportion in talent level between St. FX and the Huskies, this does afford Saskatchewan to still keep the focus on themselves. Right through, right? So if they're prepping all week, if they're continuing to get better at the things that they need to get better at, if they're able to use two running backs, if they're able to get all three receivers involved, if that front seven is able to limit opposing running backs, right? They have a good test this week with Bussy. If that defensive secondary can be opportunistic, they're going to walk into the Vanier Cup probably a little bit less scathed than what either Laval or Western are going to be. Um, they've got an honest chance. And, you know, I just hope they stay healthy and, and give everyone what they're hoping for on Vanier Cup Sunday. What do you think St. Effects would have to do to win this game? It's a really good question, man. You know, again, the, the novelty of surprise sometimes. You know, I, I think there are good ball players at St. FX. You know, if they get some special teams returns, right? If if Bussy can break one or two, you know, if, if the defense can be opportunistic and, and cause a couple turnovers, you don't know how things change, right? Saskatchewan, to me, is the best team in the country when we talk about, okay, they're losing at halftime. What adjustments do we have to make now? And they every single time come out and win. 
right? They did it against Regina twice. They did it against the Manitoba Bisons. The game last week or yesterday was close, right? UBC in the first half, it was close. But their adjustments that they're able to make and Scott Floyd's staff were able to make ultimately put them over the top week in and week out. So I think St. FX is going to come out. They're going to come out swinging. I think that defense and the special teams units from St. FX are going to keep them in the game. If Saskatchewan is able to adjust the way they have been, the second half is going to be a blowout, just as we saw yesterday between Western and Queens. If I'm going to be real with you, if St. FX does lose this game, I hope it's not by a large margin. I hope we don't see one of those 66-6 games or what we saw with Western and Acadia, like, four years ago, like it was like 80 to like two. I hope we don't yeah. see those type of beatdowns. I hope St. FX can make this a competitive game at some point. I hope St. FX can keep the score close because at the end of the day, these games are going to be nationally televised. And this is a first impression for a lot of people of U sports football when these games get nationally televised. Yeah. And um, I, I think you can agree with me when I say like, when you have one of your national semifinals be an absolute beatdown, it's not the best first impression. Right. And I think like it, it's not a good look and it makes people want to give up on the product. So I hope St. FX could keep this game close um, just for the sake of the culture. I'm all about the culture. Please, Gary Waterman, St. FX, keep this game close, please. And that's it. That's a wrap. Listen, if you made it this far, big ups to you. For all things U-Sports related, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Persevere underscore, on Twitter at Persevere underscore, and on TikTok at Persevere. This podcast is available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Deshaun Stevens and DJ Lalama signing off from another week of Take It or Leave It. Peace and blessings always.